What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good Combine Monday morning. Birds fans, appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365. To the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. Uh, John, I, I got to thank A.J. Brown because uh, not only did he give us uh, food for thought today, but he actually waited till Friday afternoon to put in a call to WIP. He didn't do so to Jillio and uh, to you, Douglas, at like 10.10. Like immediately after Birds 365 signed off on on Friday, he did wait until Friday afternoon to check in with Ike and Jack Fred. So thanks for waiting and not making us feel bad like oftentimes happens here on Birds 365. Stuff gets announced at 9.55 a.m. Well, speaking of the coaching staff, that was announced uh, basically on Friday. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. As soon as the show's over, that was so AJ at least waited. He didn't like uh, stick a knife in us. He did the damage that he did, but he didn't do it immediately after we didn't have a chance to talk about it. You want to talk about the coaching staff first or you want to talk about AJ Brown? Up to you, brother. We got to talk about both. So yeah, we do. Doesn't matter. Um, doesn't matter to me. Um, uh, with the fact that we knew most of the coaching staff are ahead of time, and we'll talk about the guys that will be filling in. We're sticking around. There's some interesting aspects to it, but I think AJ Brown is certainly a bigger story. Um, first things first. I tip my hat to AJ Brown because uh, I just love when players take it on their own initiative to clear the air or attempt to clear the air um, there. He surely wasn't obligated to uh, jump on WIP. He was not asked to come on WIP. He called of his own volition into WIP to, uh, as I just stated, clear the air. So first things first, you got to give the guy a lot of credit because players just don't do that. They have the opportunity to do that. There what is WIP going to say, no, thanks. We got to talk to Pete from the Northeast. No, of course, they're going to take AJ's call and give him as much time as he wants to say what he wants. It's good for them. It's good for AJ to be able to get his side of the story out there. So I first things first, got to give him a ton of credit just for doing it. More power to him. Um, and here's one thing I did a show yesterday on WIP that uh, may, uh, maybe I need to explain to listen. There are some things that A.J. Brown said that I disagree with. I can give him all the credit in the world for calling in and saying, A.J., thank you very much. Appreciate it. Good on you. But that doesn't mean that you then, because you appreciate the fact that he just did call in and gave his side of the story, that you have to agree with everything he said. There were some things he said with that I learned from, some things that he said with that didn't surprise me at all, and I thought that was the case. And there were other things that he said that I just flat out don't agree with. And we took call thereafter. How can you say he's grateful calling in and then disagree with him? Because I do. It's pretty simple. I don't I don't see the tie between appreciate him calling in and then having to agree with everything he said. I know you've heard all the clips by now, read all the clips by now. What did you think of what AJ Brown had to say? Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 kind of the opposite. I wish AJ would ignore that kind of stuff. Um, you know, but he's very uh um, you know, sensitive to, and I get it. I mean, when people are taking shots at you and saying things at you and making up rumors about you and, um, you want to respond, but, it, but I, 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 you know, from his standpoint of where he is, uh, I think it would be better. And he has at times gotten off social media and people look into that and, and no matter what. So, you know, he said pretty consistently over the years that he feels misunderstood, which is something he he again expressed on on WIP when he called in. You know, the TO nonsense, those comps, those are so off base. I, I you know, but he, there's nothing he can say. There's there's a long history of 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 diva wide receivers in the NFL. So that's immediately where people go when they see anything about it. Doesn't have to be AJ Brown. It could be anybody and any any good receiver and any. That's immediately what you hear if they complain if they say something. He's a diva. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's not true. In the case of AJ, it's not true. But you know what is banging your head against a wall? What does it really do? Maybe it made him feel a little bit better. But ultimately, you know. 
I think, you know, there's a difference, and I wrote about this on SI yesterday. There's, and I saw it. I popped on here this morning talking to you and Xander before we get on the air. One of the top comments, Billy Media, Billy Media, Billy Media. Like it's one giant thing. I don't get it, Jody. I don't get it. I don't even know who at WIP, to be honest, you may know, started the trade rumor. But I know it wasn't a report. It was basically just a way to generate calls, and they didn't look it, it over. It was, it was a poll. It was a poll question. It was Let's a poll see how question. many responses right. we can get yeah. on a poll question yeah. on, on the afternoon show with uh, Ike and Jack. And it might have been the day that uh, Spike did a, a flyby, but it was a. That's where it came from. Was a poll question yeah. on and the then, afternoon show on WIP. And then aggregators pick it up and run and run with it, and it becomes this thing. You saw nobody who's in that locker room report that the Eagles were going to were even considering trading. One, they, you know, it's not very feasible. You can't say anything. You know, the Eagles are proven with Carson Wentz. Anything is possible when you talk about eating money and things of that nature, but it's very unlikely, not to mention the fact he's the best pure football player they have. Right. Not to mention the fact that, oh, by the way, they don't think he's a problem. Uh, not to mention all these things. So it, it, it fuels from there. And again, it's weird because – the people that see AJ four times a week, up to four times a week during the season, I think he trusts. I think he sees the same faces. He talks to us. He's never, when he does talk, he has never refused to answer a question. In fact, he's the opposite. He goes above and beyond when I when the TV cameras scurry to the next scrum. He's willing to talk off the record. He's willing to talk about anything. Uh, he's a team captain. He's not a team captain because. Nick Sirianni named him a team captain. He was voted by his teammates a team captain. He's well liked in the locker room. Yeah, but can I can I interject for a second? Sure. Um, he's a team captain and he's a leader. And he talked about his emotion. That's what's fueling him on the sidelines when we see him yelling and screaming at guys. It's just him uh, taking his role as a team captain and a motivator seriously. Then you can't not talk after games. You can't say, well, I really didn't want to talk because I might have said something that got me and a team in hot water and I decided to just remove myself from the situation. Team captains don't do that, John. Team captains well, have to no, there's, the media after you're, the game. You're right. And, and AJ speaks after every game and then he had the issue. Look, in the past, and he's admitted in Tennessee, and we're going to have Mike Sealski on. Mike wrote a, a great column about it a while ago, not recently, but he's admitted to some men, mental health issues. And that's why I say if, if, you know, if I were given advice to AJ, not that he wants it, but I would encourage him to stay away from social media because it affects some people differently than others. And I think that's it affects great. him greatly. Um, and it affected him greatly at that point of time. And he stopped talking for a very small portion. And then he uh, came back and apologized and did all that stuff and said, it's not you guys, blah, blah, blah. But then he's back out there saying Philly media, Philly media, and he's playing into it. And there's so many fans. Like I said, I pop on here, Philly media, Philly media. And you know what? At some point, maybe it comes a self-fulfilling prophecy because, of, you know, you want to push the issue and he gets so upset. Maybe he does want out of Philadelphia, but it won't be the people who come from on a daily basis. I guarantee you that. 
So that's my frustration part of it. The fact that AJ plays into, look, you got to realize, and I got to straddle the fence, and a lot of people have to straddle the fence. Mike is another one. Mike Sealski is another one. Uh, columnist, reporter. You know, we do both. We talk, we give our opinions. And, you know, sometimes I beat myself up from for not saying this is my opinion versus this is information because people take both and run with it and they go where they want to go with it. That, I, I can't control that, though. I, I, I can't control that. I can only do the best I can do. Um, but you got to know the difference. You got to know the difference between um, hypotheticals. You know, you're you're a big hypothetical guy. We talk about hypotheticals. That's what we do. That's fine. But there's a big difference between that and actual information and reporting. And and then there's people saying he's a bad locker room guy. Who, who in the locker room, who, who was in the locker room has said that? Point me right. to one guy, and yeah, I will get, say. Attach a reporter's name to that, yes, please. Yes. Point me, because I know them all. I know the reporters that are in there. I haven't heard it from one. I may have missed it, uh, but I haven't heard it from one. So, I mean, take it with a grain of salt. I uh, appreciated the fact that AJ did come out and talk. I did. Uh, question the fact that he he wants to be late, wants to be emotional, he wants to call guys on the carpet, he wants to maybe even pick up his buddy Jalen Hurts, who is not that type of an individual. And if somebody's got to do it, might as well be me. But then you can't not talk after the game. So that was one thing I uh, disagreed with him. Another thing you kind of touched on the Philly media. Now I'm in a a unique position in that. I do Birds 365 here every day with you. So I'm a Philly uh, commentator. I do a uh, regular Philadelphia sports show on WIP three times a week. And I'm also a national reporter. And I do a CBS sports radio show on both Saturdays and Sundays. So I wear a lot of different hats. AJ, like some of our streamers here, uh, like to just throw one hat that fits all and covers everybody. And it's just not true. It's just not accurate. Over the last week, I guarantee you, and you haven't talked to AJ. I haven't talked to AJ. We're just reading between the lines some of the things he said here on WIP. But I'd bet good money that he got ticked off at Craig Carton and, oh, yeah. Kay, and Kay Adams, both of which are national Eagles reporters, football reporters. They're not the Philadelphia media. They're not. Craig was at one point. He's not anymore. Kay Adams never has been. She picked up on the uh, WIP polls and then turns around and asks AJ, what do you think about the rumor out of Philadelphia? It wasn't a rumor. It was a a poll question about what the the Eagles think about trading him for uh, a Denver cornerback. And he holds the Philly media to up to blame for that. No, it was national people who did it, AJ. You got to be able to differentiate those two things. Yeah. Media and, literacy, and that's how I started my column. Media literacy is a big problem in this country. And it's got far re, sports are a little part. Sports are a meaningless part of it, but it's still real. Media literacy is a big problem in this country. Uh, and people not being able to differentiate between the Craig Cartons of the world of chaos. Now, I think it was upset. Spike said something. I don't even know what Spike said. 
I, that's why I called that particular show and Spike wasn't even on and it ended up being Ike Reese, uh, you know, doing his best to explain the difference. And I think I, I did a good job, by the way. Uh, I don't know what Spike said, to be honest, but he was upset with part of the Philadelphia media, I guess. But yeah, mainly it was Craig Carton and, and Kay brought up like it was a real rumor and it was a poll, as you mentioned. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, you know, and it's, look, not everybody, and I don't even know, uh, because it's none of my business, and I don't care, to be honest, what what Spike said. Um, but he said something. I don't know what he said, but that's what EJ, uh, AJ, excuse me, talking about EJ Smith, uh, AJ called in because of something Spike said. I, I don't even know what it was. So, but... Again, and, and Spike's very good at what he does, and but he's not in the locker room. He's not a reporter, and he's just giving his opinion. That's uh, you got to know the difference between that. Right, and let me just uh, we'll close out for a segment. Jeff Carr is going to join us, uh, and then we have Mike Sealski a little later on because um, this one hits home for me. One of the things he said, and again, he said it to Ike and Jack on Friday, and he said it about the Philadelphia media. And again, uh, only AJ knows who he was describing at that time, but he used an all-inclusive term. He said, you're supposed to be supporting and rooting for the team. I know you feel the same way as I do here. And no, my check comes from Jacob Media. My check comes from Odyssey uh, on both the WIP and the CBS. No, I am paid by outlets other than the Philadelphia Eagles. I am not on the Eagles payroll. I do not wave the eagle pom-poms. That is not my job. It's not John's job. And AJ did verbalize it. You're supposed to be supporting and rooting the eagles. AJ, no, we're not. Sometimes we do support the eagles. Sometimes we root for the eagles. If you guys play that well, we give you all the props and all the credit in the world. But it is not our job or responsibility to root for and or support the Philadelphia Eagles. That is not what we're paid to do. That I don't look at it as my responsibility. And the fact that athletes can't pick up on that, that we're not on the team payroll. There are some individuals. Well, fans, a lot of fans can't pick up on it either. We just got, I mean, I explained the situation. We got, I, we got one guy. I followed Philly media for decades and you guys are like no other media outlet. What the freak are you? I don't have. Now, Jody works for WIP. But even with Jody working with WIP, and I work for Jacob Media here, I work for Sports Illustrated. I'm not responsible for other people. I'm not responsible for what Jody McDonald says, for instance. And Jody's not responsible. You can challenge me, and I, I will challenge you, you but you're not responsible for it. No. You're absolutely right. Uh, and Jody, anybody else who's on WIP with Jody, that doesn't mean Jody thinks the same way. You, How is it possible to not understand that? How is it literally possible? I, I, I it, it baffles me, Jody. And, and that's even, you talk about the pet peeve of so many people think, and there are fans now that cover their particular team. That's not the way it's supposed to be. 
you're supposed to be as objective as possible. And that's what I strive for. That's what a number of reporters strive for. Are we always successful? No, nobody's always successful. But you can tell it's real easy to tell who the objective people are if you're looking for them, if you want them. If you want cheerleaders, you can find them. If you want trolls, you can find them. If you want grifters, you can find them. But if you really want objective people, it's easy to find. Easy. I well, it's not as easy as it used to be. I think there are more uh, trolls and more cheerleaders than there used to be, but there are still objective people that are still out there, and you and I both strive to do just that. And here's the bottom line, and then we'll get our first time out, and we'll punch up Jeff Kerr of everything that was said from the time uh, they announced that AJ Brown is on our telephone lines, and everything that AJ said. There's a lot that you can uh, read through the lines and take at face value and everything. Here's the most important thing, Eagle fans. And I really did believe this. And I listened to the audio a couple times over. A.J. Brown wants to be here. Some people, not necessarily John and I, but I at least uh, posited <laughs> the thought that it could be the case that A.J. Brown wasn't happy here, that he really did get annoyed when he didn't get his targets, which he said is not the case. Okay, A.J., I'm going to take you your word here, that it's just you're frustrated by the team and, and not getting a job done, and that's you, and that's your personality, and you're just trying to lead. Okay, I'll accept all of that at face value. If you say that's the case, I believe you. And when he says, I want to be here, I believe that. I believe that he's telling us the truth there. And some people put two and two together, came up with four. A.J. Brown doesn't want to be here. He's not happy because he doesn't get the ball enough. A.J. Brown, if he doesn't want to be here, he shouldn't be here. The Eagles should trade him. That's drawing conclusions, which was an overstatement, an overreach, probably foolish. That's the most important thing. Of all the things that came out about A.J. Brown, what he said the other day and how he handles himself and everything, he wants to be here. That's a good thing. He doesn't want to get out of town. He doesn't want to be traded. He doesn't want to have a separation with his buddy, uh, Jalen. That's the most important thing. Of everything that was said, A.J. Brown wants to be here, and the Eagles need to keep him because, as John said, I've said, he's their best football player. If you're just talking about best football player on the entire 53-man roster, who's their best football player putting the positionals uh, aside? He's their best player. And your best player wants to stay here in Philadelphia. That's a very good thing. And everything else is important, but not as, as important as that. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. You got Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. Uh, if you think that we're being as objective as we can today or not, uh, feel free to hit the like button one way or the other. If you think we're giving you a, a down the middle type point of view, feel free to go ahead and hit the like button. We like Jeff getting Jeff Kerr on from CBSSports.com. He's scheduled to join us next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. 
With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. McMullen McDonald. Magamac here with you on Birds 365. And you know on Monday mornings we get Jeff Kerr from CBS Sports up and involved. Jeff Kerr, were you listening to WIP? You're 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 on that borderline range. You can get it, you can get it anytime you want with the Odyssey app. But did you just happen to be tuned on Friday when AJ Brown decided to make a uh, appearance on uh, the Eagles flagship radio station? Oh, I didn't miss it. So I was on my run when he called in. And I'm sending a text to Jack Fritz. I'm like, oh, here we go. And yeah, that was probably one of the more entertaining 20 minutes of radio I've heard in a long time. So what'd you think? We'll give you the floor. Jody and I have explained our sort of thoughts about it. What did Jeff Kerr think? I'm always in the camp. <laughs> Don't say anything. I, I, I'm always in that camp. I, I don't think you gain anything by saying anything. He got exactly what he wanted, in my opinion. People saying how wonderful he is and how he stuck it to the man and this and that. I th- I think he did give some points in there, but <clears throat> man, just ignore things. You know, I, that that's just me. That that's just how I handle things. I I get it. AJ's a different person. You know, I believe pretty much everything he said. Uh, you know, I think he's he's being honest with people, which which is good, but. I just don't think ultimately you gain anything by doing something like that. Yeah, see, I disagree with you. Um, When you're having a live conversation with someone, 
that's different than responding to a tweet. That's different than typing out a response. No, you're going back and forth with someone. You're saying something to them, and then they can respond with you. That's different. If you want to tell me A.J. Brown should get the hell off social media for the rest of his life, I'll probably agree with you because that doesn't get you anywhere. But when you're having a live conversation with somebody, when you guys are in a locker room and you're talking face-to-face to them after the game, that's a different story. That's different than just getting caught up in a social media haze. I, I think he did accomplish some things, and I just said then the last segment, most important thing is he got on the record and said, I want to be here. I want to be a Philadelphia Eagle. I'm very happy here in Philadelphia. Uh, just that alone makes everything else uh, worth doing. If well, I never thought he was stuff. unhappy. That That's the thing. I don't know where that came about. Like, he wasn't happy in Philadelphia. Or the whole. I, I mean, look, I, I get why he would be upset at things. If you're hearing some of the stuff he probably heard over the past week, and some of it was fan-generated, by the way. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't blame the guy one bit for standing up for himself. I just... Yeah, there's never been any evidence that AJ didn't want out, that AJ wants out of Philadelphia. I mean, and and that he's already, that's already been reported, Jody, that he, you know, he said he wants to be here. He's got no issues with Jalen Hurts. He's got, he's already explained in the past that when he gets upset on the sidelines, it's not that he necessarily wants targets, it's frustration over. And by the way, he always wants the football. He admits that too. Uh, all good receivers want the football. And he, and he deserves thinks, to get the football. And he thinks they have a better chance to win if he gets the football. But that's a big difference than what he said all of this. Now, granted, WIP is a bigger platform than even the Inquirer, if you want to look at it from a, a, a print standpoint or old school media standpoint. It's a bigger platform, so maybe it gets through to uh, more people. But nothing he said was new. Nothing. Nothing he said was new other than coming forward with the frustration. So I don't know if it's good or bad, but just knowing AJ as much as I do, um, yeah, I would say stay away from stay away from it. Easier said than done. I I freely admit that. As as you've told me a couple of times, John, and you're dead on right uh, about uh, Jason Kelsey and retirement, you can change your mind. Oh, AJ, yeah. AJ Brown could change his mind. Oh, yeah. And if he, he does, it'll be a self-fulfilling to, prophecy. If of, he of wants to go on WIP and confirm himself, not through a writer, himself via the airways of WIP, that he wants to stay here in Philadelphia, that's news. It, it may be, in your estimation, old news. I don't think so. When you're doing it live on a broadcast outlet, not being oh, I'm not saying it's not a news. writer, that's different. That's more important. I'm sorry, John, if you don't think that's the case. I'm not saying it's not news. I'm saying nothing he said was new. It, it larger platform, yes. It so was just it, reaffirming it, stuff. Yes. Yes. Um, and Jeff knows that. And you don't think that was worth doing? He would be better off not picking up the phone and calling WI. I don't think it's worth doing because you're giving uh, more gravitas, whatever word you want to use. Uh, give me a better word. <laughs> To, to people like Craig Carton and people like Kay Adams and whatever Spike said. I don't know what Spike Yeah, I have no idea what he said. But you're giving more import to that than it deserves. So from that standpoint, I that's the part I don't get. Because 
you're you're acknowledging something that's you know that Craig's is probably the worst because Craig just threw something out there and said, oh, make up your own rumor. Right. <laughs> you know, and that's why I use the word that's a troll, man. That's a troll. If you got something, say it. I said on WIP that night with Rob Ellis, Craig Carton basically said, please, please watch my show that no one watches. That's all that was. I mean, it was throwing something against the wall where you can make something up. And Howard brought it up. Howard Eskin has said, well, it could be Pletcher Cox. Pletcher Cox is probably leaving. So Craig can do his 180 and say, well, Pletcher Cox has left. You know, and it has nothing to do with what he said, but there's 30% turnover in the NFL. So you can feel very comfortable saying something's going to happen and something's going to happen and somebody's going to leave. So is that really meaningful? And you're giving it a little bit more. So that's kind of what, where I'm coming from. That's if you want to talk about something specific, talk about something specific and say, so-and-so said this, and this is why it's not true. And they don't know. Then I think it, it accomplishes a little bit more, but Again, just knowing AJ as little as I do, he has struggled in the past with some of these issues. He's probably too sensitive to it. So I would recommend, as Lane Johnson, similar situation. People know from Philadelphia better than most places, and Brandon Brooks as well. Um, you know, it's difficult, but try to steer away from it as best you can. And I, I know it's difficult, though, to say that. Jeff, your thoughts? It is, especially if you do go on social media and you're hearing stuff about you. you no one ever wants to hear bad no, things about No, of course him. not. It, it, and that's the reality of it. And look, I thought when AJ said he was going to take a break from all this, I thought that was very good for him. You know, just kind of clear your mind out. And then when the whole the tweets from the Super Bowl came out, I actually did – I hate doing this type of reporting. But I had to ask a couple people that would be in the know. Like, is that him? No, it wasn't him. And he confirmed that wasn't him. Now, I I will say whoever it was has very similar thoughts to A.J. Brown. Yeah. I mean, it might have been someone speaking for him, but it wasn't him. You know, that's what I don't know. And then I guess he got his account. I know when you don't tweet for 30 days or if you actually deactivate your account for 30 days, you lose it under uh, Elon's new policy. So he did lose it. But then I guess he found the way to go. I don't know what happened there. It's that 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 that's too much, you know, investigative reporting, I should say. But you know, it, no, it was don't, don't it need was, to be doing investigative reporting on Twitter. Huh? Yeah, it, that, it, no. that don't help Elon that. But I did think it was funny though when he did come out with the whole, oh, that's not me. But you know, I I, I was kind of laughing about that when I'm yeah, like, okay, now I, that's, that's not me, but that's my exact thoughts. You know, so who who ultimately, you know, I guess it doesn't matter. But yeah, that's one of my pet peeves is, you know, and, and we were talking about it. And even as we were talking about it and explaining, Jeff, the whole idea that Philadelphia media is one giant group. We're not. It's not yeah. close. And we're trying to push A.J. Brown or insert name from insert team. And we're trying to do this and we're trying to undermine the Eagles or the Phillies or the Sixers or the Flyers. Mike Seals, he's going to be on the show. He gets a lot of it from Flyer fans. Mike's got a good um, column that came out this morning about the whole WIP interview that 
I suggest. Oh, I got to check that out. I'm glad yeah. you said that. I haven't checked it out yet. My, Mike's done. Uh, he did a great column on AJ before and some of the uh, mental health issues in, in Tennessee. Um, and he did a, a great column on Jalen Hurts recently. But yeah, I, I mean, boy, I, it frustrates me. Does it frustrate you, Jeff, that you're lumped in with everybody else? Yeah, it sucks. Um, I, honestly, it's, you know, because I, I know firsthand just from being with you, John, being at Kratz, you know, there, Martin Frank, there's a certain group that, you know, A.J. Brown likes. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I'm one of them or not, but I know he he's read some of my stuff and he's told me he's appreciated some stuff, you know, on and off the record. But, you know, it's – I'll just say this with A.J. Brown. It's, you know, I, I don't like being lumped in with Craig Carlton. I, I don't because <laughs> I never talked to him. You know, I, I just say the fans versus media divide is so high right now. No matter what you tweet about – these players, these coaches, anything. They want you to be the biggest rah-rah cheerleaders on the face of the earth. And I'm like, no, that's your job. Let, let yeah. me be objective and do mine. I'll yeah. give you just one example. And I promise we're moving on from AJ Brown and we want to ask about the new coaching staff and this week in the combine. I took a call yesterday on WIP and the caller said, you guys have to pick and choose your words carefully because when you say what you say and it's negative, it has an effect on the players and the Eagles and the other fans. And so be careful what you say, because all I hear is neck. All I 99.9% of what I hear on WIP is negativity. And I said, wait a minute. Didn't you just say you have to pick and choose your words carefully? So you're telling me 999 out of a thousand opinions uh, voiced on WIP are negative. You couldn't be more wrong. So don't call in and, and put something on, WIP, me, Glenn, who were on the air at the time, everybody else, and then say something as stupid as that. Mm. Yeah, you have to be very careful. With one it. thing I've learned, one thing I've learned about hip, hypocrites, guys, they don't care that they're uh, that they're hypocrites. Yeah, they don't care. I, I I will defend fans on this. It's not just Philadelphia. It's not. It's every fan base. Look, I'm a big racing fan. Everything NASCAR does is the worst thing in the world, and they had three wide finish yesterday, and they went from, this is the worst race ever, this is the greatest race ever in literally two seconds. It was ridiculous. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, I thought it was the worst race ever. You know, I, I, again, it's not It's not just Eagles fans. You're not in this. No, it, it's not, but because there is, there is more passion, and I would say it's the entire Northeast, to be honest, not just Philadelphia, but New York and Boston and even down to D.C., um, Baltimore, there's a lot of passion in the Northeast when it comes to professional sports. And that, in turn, creates an environment. The Eagles, I say all, oftentimes, the Eagles have the largest media contingency in the NFL. By and far. it's been that way for years. And even bigger than New York and Chicago and Los Angeles, bigger cities. Because there's so much interest, it fuels outlets wanting people to cover the team. So, there is more of it, um, and maybe that creates more problems because you have different levels and all that kind of stuff, and people have access and people don't have access. And, you know, it becomes cloudy and murky, um, and I get that. But just don't say – don't be put, put people in a group. Just don't do it because it's it's 
Incorrect. And, and, and you know what's funny, John? They're the same people who don't want to be lumped together in the group, but they want to lump them. Right, but they want to do everybody at that 99.9%. Um, I, Jeff Kerr, right after we got off the air on Friday, the Eagles announced their, the rest of their coaching staff. The major hires were already done. The positional coaches have now been all filled out. Um, some guys did get to keep their job. I actually thought that the two no coordinators would come in and have a bigger broom than they actually had. And there are some guys still in place. General analysis of the Eagle coaching staff. And we probably put too much uh, influence and interest into quality control coaches. We do want to analyze every single person on the Eagle staff. It's the main guys who will move the needle more than anything else. But that's what we do here on Birds 365. Do the Eagles have as good a staff, a better staff than the one they've had the last couple of years since Nick Sirianni first came to town? Well, I think they have a good staff. Uh, I like the new hires. I, I did like how they kept Aaron Moorhead, by the way. I was kind of hoping that that would be the case because I think the organization in general likes Aaron Moorhead. So I'm kind of glad he, he stuck around. But, I mean, defense, you had to change pretty much everything on the defensive side. Of it. But some guys got to stay. So I, I wasn't against that. That Obviously, some guys in new positions – uh, on the defensive side of the ball, but what the, the the only question I need answered right now is what happens with if this team gets off to a slow start next year, or even if they get get off to a good start, can they finish it this time? You know, Nick Sirianni is going to be under more pressure than probably any head coach in the league next year once the season starts, just because of yeah, he's going to be at the top of all the betting odds for yeah. um. First coach fired and things like that. Maybe not number one, but certainly near the top of the list because of the way things have handled. But I got to tell you guys, I think it was a very good sign for Nick Sirianni when they announced the coaching staff. And there are more. It, it, I, I'm surprised. Defensively, there, there, there are a lot of guys that were kept. Oh, my God. That The whole offense. Kellen Moore got two guys. Doug Nussmeyer. And Kyle Bolero, who's sort of an analytics guy, and and, got two and Doug's guys. always and Doug's always been McKellen, so I think that was a package deal. Yeah, everybody, everybody stayed loyal to Nick Sirianni. So I think that the the narrative has shifted towards we all thought Nick Sirianni was going to be on an island. Now Kellen Moore is going to be on an island and trying to fit in with Kevin Petullo and Jamal Singleton and Aaron Moorhead and Jason Michael and Jeff Stoutland and TJ Paganetti, all the guys who've been here, they kept the whole offensive staff except for the surgical insertion of Kellen Moore, Doug Nussmeyer, and again, we'll throw Caballero in there. He got two guys. And now it makes sense. I had heard that Cliff Kingsbury was the original sort of, not that they wanted him, but when they started the process, he was kind of the that's top the guy, guy. That's the guy they threw the dart at. Yeah, that's the guy. That, and and they did the interview, and then it came out that he wanted a little bit too much autonomy. And I'm like, what do we thought? What is he? He doesn't want Stoutland? What, what? Because, you know, they're keeping Stoutland. No, they kept everybody. So, you know, we probably wanted a little bit more. So now I think that the question shifts to, not what Nick Sirianni does, but how does Kellen Moore fit in with the entire group? I think it's a pretty big 
statement. And I so, think it's shifted things pretty dramatically the way the Eagles handled this offensively. Defensively, big, you know, brought in who we needed to bring in. Um, and that was expected. Uh, Jeremiah Washburn being the most notable exception, but that's mainly Bix people. Offensively, Kellen Moore, man, he got two guys, and everything else has fit in with Nick's guys. I think it's interesting. Did you get the the remember the Titans vibe when you saw the offensive coaches say that Kellen Moore's like, I run the offense, and Nick, as a part of my team strategy. Did you get that vibe? I didn't get that vibe. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm not even understanding the point you're trying to make, Jeff. Got to, I guess, explain it better. And I watched remember the Titans, but I'm not sure I know. The I, I, this is the coach of me dissecting every. I I word, just think it's it, it was far. We all thought Doug was neutered. It was far more surgical, far more targeted uh, when it came to the offensive side. Um, and the majority of his key people are all back with the exception of Brian Johnson uh, and Alex Tanny. So they served as the scapegoats. And that tells you about the quarterback. They understand the quarterback went in a negative direction and he's got got to start going in a positive direction. Um, And we'll see. But it's totally shifted the, the questions from my standpoint. Now I'm like, all right, now Kellen Moore's the outsider, not Nick. Um, and now it's going to be how is Kellen Moore going to handle being in the family? He had to go outside the family. Well, the family's still here. I thought the family was leaving. The family as a whole is still here. I yeah, think it's but, interesting. Uh, 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 he's, but he's now sitting uh, at the other end of the table. Nick Sirianni's at one end of the table. Kellen Moore's at the other end of the table. And, oh, by the way, there's more food on Kellen Moore's end of the table because he's calling plays. If it's an offensive table we're talking about, Kellen Moore's calling the play. Do do you think Kellen Moore's not going to be able to do what he wants to do because they kept a lot of positional coaches that were here under Sirianni? Uh, Well, it's not – it's, you know, understand Petulo's the passing game coordinator, Singleton's the assistant head coach. We know Jeff Stoutland and his role in the run game coordinator. It's more than just uh, positional coaches. Um, yeah, I, I thought, other than Kevin Petulo, I thought originally, and I'm talking rewinding when they when they announced that they were going to move on from Brian Johnson. I thought the only guys who were going to come back were Kevin Petulo and potentially uh, Jeff Stoutland, obviously, uh, and potentially Jamal Singleton. I thought that would be it. I think everybody else would be blown out. Uh, that wasn't the case. It wasn't even close to being the case. Um, you're talking about to use your uh, family line and, you know, he's got more food at the end. Well, I'll tell you who's more comfortable at the table, and that's Nick Sirianni. He's got more people to talk to. Kellen Moore's got to ingratiate himself. He's He's the brother-in-law. He's coming in. He's not with the family. And that, to me, is an interesting dynamic that I didn't think would be happening. Here's, here's how we answer this question. I think it's actually pretty darn simple. It's going to take some research. But when he moved from Dallas to Los Angeles, how many guys did Kellen Moore take with him? We know Nussmeyer was one of them. But how many other ex-Cowboy coaches, guys that you knew specifically had a tie to Kellen Moore, ended up on the Chargers staff? He may, Kellen Moore may just be one of these Doug Peterson type guys. 
As long as you're looking me in the eye, Howie Roseman, and telling me I get to call the plays, I'll make it work. We well, got to introduce me to all your coaches. We'll work together. We'll be fine. That's how Doug uh, was when he took over. Howie, coaching staff? Yeah, whatever you say, Howie. Well, I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying it shifts. It shifts from the thought. Pro- I was thinking, and I wasn't the only one thinking, because people were asking Nick Sirianni essentially, you know, all right, what are you going to do now? Uh, now I think it has completely shifted towards. And remember, Nick said, we can't get rid of everything because we did a lot of stuff well, essentially. I'm paraphrasing. He said that at his press conference as well. I kind of, you know, threw it away at the time. But no, now it's evident that it's going to be true. Um, and I think it just not that uh, Kellen Moore can't succeed with it. Um, but I thought it was going to be more like Vic Fangio. And that essentially... I thought Vic was going to be able to get his guys, maybe a couple, maybe he can't get certain guys he wants and maybe he got to fill it out. And I thought Kellen was going to get his guys. Vic got his guys. Kellen, it was like, eh, you got to fit in with with the, the greater family. I, I think I wasn't expecting it. And I don't think a lot of people were expecting it. I thought that would be a bigger story uh, on who the new coaches would be than what actually was. It actually ended up being the second biggest story of that day, by the way. Um, oh, yeah. We got to keep that in mind. No, uh, AJ, by, by the way, I wanted to ask you guys this. So before I came on, um, Peter King, uh, I wrote, I, I, I read his final column. And he's in his 10 things, I think, I think he basically doesn't think the Eagles are going to be very good this year. No, I, I saw get, that. I didn't, get down, I didn't get down that far to his column, yeah. really? Yeah. yeah, he said, uh, I don't have a good feeling about Philadelphia in 2024, was I think what he wrote. Um, but if the Eagles return to um, whatever, it, it'll be on Jalen Hurts. He, he basically um, wanted Jalen Hurts to just take the reins of this football team and say, you know what, this is my team, I'm, I'm going to leave it. That's pretty, that's pretty much my decoding of it. Well, now, you know, the... The Dolphins moved on from Xavier and Howard. Uh, they have some cap issues. Um, uh, and Jalen Ramsey tweeted essentially that um, another guy tweeting, he'll never forgive a certain someone for not using Jalen Ramsey and Xavier and Howard correctly. Um, are we, you know, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of talk, mainly amongst the secondary about Big Fangio in Miami. And, you know, as I have often said to Jody, they weren't blocking the door from Vic leaving. Nobody seemed to care. Here in Philadelphia, I think it's taken on this, I don't know what you want to call it, but it's almost like he's the savior and everybody accepts that it's going to get dramatically better. Uh, uh, do you see it that way, Jeff? No. Uh, I'm still kind of bugged, and again, the whole fan thing. <laughs> I'm going to go back to this. They hated John again, and John again ran pretty much the same thing Vic Fangio is going to run. So, I, I, again, I I just don't understand this organization sometimes. When we were at the press conference with Roseman and Nick, it looked like they were going to steer away from that type of defense. And then all of a sudden they realized they could get the actual architect of the defense. And they're like, okay, yeah. And I'm like, okay. I, I, I'm kind of looking at things this way. 
this defense cannot be as bad as they were last year. If he that's can get true. The, if he can get them middle of the pack, I think that's an accomplishment on his end. I'm just yeah. not crazy about how Vic Fangio it, it's kind of phasing out in the league right now. Yeah. Yeah. Which which might be a good thing because teams aren't preparing for it as often. And if Fangio uh, shrinks into a uh, smaller bit of a minority, it might actually be advantageous. Uh, but, John, let me ask you. You say they think that Fangio, some people are considering Fangio a, a, a potential savior for the defense. Who are you referring to there? Uh, fans. Fans, mainly. Yeah, see, I don't agree with that. Um, I, I think, at best, Fangio is getting a wait-and-see attitude. That people aren't jumping to the hey, now we got the guy. We've got well, I think family. a lot of it sparked from Gannon. They they hated Gannon to exactly such a degree. well, they still and they still don't like the but, Fangio defense, even if it's Fangio who's running it. Re- remember, there was a lot of misinformation, dissent, whatever you want to call it, about how Jonathan left, and the assumption was, oh, Jonathan screwed up Big Fangio, the greatest of all time. I think you have that group um who thinks. If it wasn't for uh, Gannon, Fangio would have been here, which is true, but it's got more to do with timing than actual Jonathan Gannon. Um, And everything would have been fine. Everything would not have been fine, even if Jonathan Gannon returned. Agreed. As people with the with the Eagles fan base. Yes. Yes. And and I think fans would have been right in saying that that the ones that had their doubts about Gannon with last year's defense. Yeah, I, I I think Gannon would have been in some significant trouble because the personnel on that defense was just oh yeah the first it doesn't matter if it was Gannon Fangio Desai Patricia that was going to be a bad defense because the personnel was that bad now would it have been slightly better with Gannon or and or Fangio probably but not not well, great but what not are we talking about the NFL it, yeah exactly what are we talking about one ranking twentieth to twenty fifth instead thirtieth yeah exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But and, I, I think, yeah, Jody, I think there's a large group that Vic, ben, Vic Banjo is a is a savior. Not everybody, but I yeah, think there's so, a large group. Uh, large as in majority, as in more than uh, the 50%. Yeah, I would say more base. than half. More than half wow. of the people that I, contact I, me. Yeah. I vehemently disagree with that. I, I think I, I, I've gotten people I think are more cautious than curious. Yeah, that's more like it. I'll tell you who the president of the Vic Fangio Savior Fan Club is. Howie Roseman, he hired him. He spirited him away from Miami. He's the guy who wanted to get him back here. Yeah, I, if there is a president it. of I, I, the I, I, Vic Fangio fan club, it's Howie. I know nobody's going to believe me. In six years from now, probably Al, Albert Breer will come out and confirm it, and people will finally accept it. Howie Roseman doesn't hire coaches. He doesn't. He doesn't hire coaches. Oh, okay. He doesn't. Howie slash Jeff, if you want to make that uh, distinction, thank you. Well, Jeff, no, I would say, I would say, yeah, who hired Vic Fangio? Uh, wasn't Nick Sirianni. Nobody, literally, yeah, Nick has no problem with Vic Fangio being the defense coordinator. When it comes to um, head coach coordinators, Jeffrey Lurie's buck stops with Jeffrey Lurie. When it comes to assistant coaches. Yes, Nick Sirianni gets to hire his assistant coaches. I know nobody's going to believe it, but he gets to hire his assistant coaches. Now, Howie, when he doesn't have a guy in mind, Howie has – it's Howie's job to 
gather candidates. And then it's Nick's job to interview the candidates and make the decision on he, who he wants on the staff. That's the way it has been. Now, Jeffrey stepped in. It's his team as he has the right to do it. And it came to the coordinators and he essentially mandated that it, they had to go in a different direction. But when it came to defensive coordinator, no, Vic, uh, Nick loves Vic Fangio and Nick would have wanted Vic Fangio anyway. He wanted Vic Fangio last year. He went, everybody in this organization is on board with Vic Fangio. Everybody. Nobody, Vic Fangio is not being forced on anybody. Coming here until he yeah. couldn't come here. Yeah. Everybody loves him in this organization, and that includes Nick Sirianni. Are they right? That I can't tell you. Well, we'll find out. Uh, over time. Uh, there is one thing, though, I want to add with Vic Fangio. There's going to be a lot more accountability on that defense next year. It's not going to be communication issues. I, oh, I, yeah. I they'll, they'll be better prepared. They'll be better prepared. By the way, Sean Desai got a job, guys. I'm happy for him. Hey, yeah. the one thing he knows for sure, doesn't have to go to the combine this week. Because the Rams don't go. That's they right. Don't, yeah. don't feel oh, they got, I'm, I'm get, sure they got get, some people Get, get there. into HR, get all signed up, get your uh, benefits in order, and don't have to worry about actually doing work this week. Because Did you guys hear the, the Les Snead comments about them having a first-round pick? Uh, no, this year? No. I've heard the yeah, he, picks he, 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 he said, well, we have a first-round pick right now. Yeah, well, I, you know. I, I hey, love the Rams. But, I, I, and, I love what he does. And I had two different individuals on my CBS show over the weekend, and both of them kind of defended the Rams for not showing up, which I still don't understand. But they did make a good point. The last two years, the Rams have actually drafted pretty well. Very well. Uh, Kyron Williams in the third round, and the second half of the year, he played as well as any he back in the National Football League. He was great. League. Yeah. Kobe Turner was another one. Kobe yeah. Turner, third round. Puka. For, How could you forget Puka? And Puka. Oh, I was getting there, John. And yeah. Puka in the fifth round. That's pretty damn good. Despite the fact they don't show up at the combine, they've been hitting on late day two, early day three picks. Guys stepping in and not only playing, but starring for them. So even though I'm giving them grief. People, you know, with, with, Puka, with Puka and, and Kyron Williams specifically, and I don't know about Kobe, People are so obsessed with speed in this uh, industry. And if you can't run a 40 time for what you're supposed to run for your position, they just knock you down. Like you're an man, afterthought. Yeah. Can, can he play football? I, 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 I mean, John, that's why I don't like the combine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think to be honest and, uh, I don't know if Jody was going down this, but a, a lot of teams, not a lot, but less teams, some teams are starting not to show up. I do, I do think the most important part of the combine by far, by far, by far, ask anybody, medical testing, by far. The, the stuff that you see on television, they already know that stuff. And if they're not going to know it, they're going to know it from the pro days. That, that That's just validating what they have. But as a whole... Um, they, they, you know, look, you have to have a baseline level of speed. I'm not saying that to play in the NFL, but if you're a four, four, you know, one guy versus four, four, six at receiver versus four, five, three, Puka can't run. I covered the greatest receiver in NFL history that can't run. Chris Carter, who's in the hall of fame. Oh, he does. Couldn't run, couldn't run, played pretty well. Um, 
yeah i don't get it i don't get it but anyway uh, I, I i will remember your stance here john which you should know by now i agree with um that the when we're leading up to the draft and you go yeah but the measurables that's what you're getting in indianapolis this well week. Uh, i'm generally talking about teams i mean that to say that teams ignore them is not true so i i'm i'm generally talking about what teams think and you know left tackle for instance gotta have the arm length right? if, if you're if you're if your arm length is underneath like tyler steen who played left tackles entire college career well he's got to move inside he's got to move inside Right. And Not that's me. when that's well to see. And I'll I'll probably call you on the carpet about this again. You have to indicate, are you talking about what teams think or what John McMullen thinks? Because you're the guy who's making the statement. And sometimes I think you mean this is what the teams think. Well, and it's I'm very wondering, difficult. is that what John McMullen thinks? You got well, to differentiate the two. I try to differentiate as much as possible. I, I said sometimes I fail. When I talk about measurables, I'm generally talking about what teams think, um, because that's you know that's right. But you were just talking about measurables, as in the guy can't run, and you're saying why do they do it this way? Why? How can Puka Nakua fall to that far in the draft? Well, that, is that your opinion or is that the team's opinion? Well, when you have somebody who's successful and plays, now if you if you can't. Like Kyron Williams was a great back in college for people that forget. He was injured a lot. Yeah, but when he was out there, he was a great back. Now, when you can't run, and by the way, I put that in quotations because everybody in the NFL can run. To a normal person, I have to explain that as well. Puka Nakua is very fast. He's just not fast for an NFL wide receiver. So you have to have a baseline, number one. But like if he couldn't play in college or or Kyron Williams couldn't play in college, well, it's probably a good indication they're not going to turn it on and play well in the NFL. But when you see somebody who's successful as they were, and we've talked about Puka with Britton Covey because Britton works out with them and they've been friends. And um, and I asked him, I think you were there, Jeff. I asked yeah, I was him, right, I was right next to you. Yeah. I did anything about Puka surprising. He's like, nope, nope. He's just unbelievable football player. Um, yeah, and I've seen too many of those. They're always outliers, but if you're a if you're a really good football player, yeah, I think I think the film outweighs again, you have to hit a baseline when it comes to measurables, but I think the film outweighs measurables. And a lot of teams don't think that. A lot yeah. of teams don't think that. You, you know I agree with you. The film is where you determine who the players are, and they do put too much. That was one of the things I got I got upset about uh, with when the whole Brock Purdy craze was starting. I'm like, you guys act like this guy was never good. He was really good in college. He was a great college player. Oh, well, he didn't do this. Or he didn't take this. I said, no, he was a really good college player. I remember when they, they drafted him, his last pick, because about ready to wrap up today. I'm like, wait, he wasn't picked well, it brought Ryan that it's also Ryan Paul's had a great quote. Um, he, he said, I've got a lot of confidence in our ability to see talent on the field, the human being we've got to figure out. And that's that I think that's a great quote because when guys miss on picks, especially first round picks, they're generally not missing on talent, 
they're missing on something else. They might not have something else. It might be work ethic. It might, they might be, you know, what's off the field. They might, you know, they might have the desire, might not have the desire, but nobody. The new Super Beats Heart Shoes Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's getting picked in the first round of this league by teams because they don't have gifts, physical gifts. They can figure that part out. What I liked about what Ryan said is, you know, that the hard part is figuring out the human being. There's a head um, on your there's a head on your shoulders. Yeah. And yeah. if you buy into what Ryan Pauls is saying, which I would, um, not showing up at the combine just makes no sense. If it's five minutes that you get a chance to interact with a player and learn something about it, I'm not saying you make the call, yay, nay, thumbs up, thumbs down, first and second round pick on a player because of those five. I'd rather have those five minutes with the player than not have those five minutes. That's why I think it's ridiculous for any of these teams who say, nah, we don't have to go. To well, the they would say pro days, top 30 visits. They they get the the – time right I, but I, I, on, I'd your, rather on your pro day you belt. might act differently than you do at the combine i'd like both thank you very much i'm not saying go to the combine blow up all the pro days no do both why wouldn't you do both well you what should is, do both what, I'm with you. what else do you have to do managers going to be doing this week? what else do you have sitting to do? at their desk at their home stadiums rather than being in indianapolis around the i'm around with you other. i'm with you idiotic. Just, it's idiotic yeah i'm, I'm you know was for years, the NFL, I, I've said the NFL should have full-time officials. Um, and they would say, no, we, we have nothing for them to do. What do you mean you have nothing for yeah, them There's to always do? something for them. Yeah. Have them in the office watching film, watching games, watching mistakes, watching. You can always find something to do. So, yeah, I'm with you. Um, you know, with your job, you might as well go. But I, I do, I, I think, you know. Other than the medical testing, I don't think the combine is in, is in, as important to fans as 
to NFL teams as maybe fans it, realize. Maybe it's the cost of that expensive. I, I, I feel like to put them 20 up. years ago when they first started airing the combine, I know at least in my generation, we thought it was, okay, we actually get to see this now. We heard about it, yeah. now we get to yeah. see it. Now yeah. it's it's kind of played its course. Yeah. Yeah. They've played its course for maybe viewing, but it shouldn't play its course for teams that they. Oh well, well, no, no. I'm just you talking get, about next. You're going to tell me they're going to cancel the combine because you can get all move the information. It. I didn't say move. I said cancel. You're telling me the the combine is is ended its value. That no, they don't the combine need it is the ultimate networking. That's what it is. Hey, not if you're home in your office. If you ain't there, you can't be networking with anybody. By the way, that is that is the most, I, I said, you know, of the actual combine activities, the medical testing is the most important by far. Of, of the actual weekend, the more important aspect is, we always talk about that term legal tampering. doesn't really exist. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> doesn't really exist. The NFL calls March 11th this year legal negotiation start of, period. Start of the legal actual tampering. legal tampering period is in Indianapolis. Starts That's when week. For, yeah, for some players, right. it might even be before that. Yeah. And, and there's a certain running back on the Giants that um, has probably already gotten into that. And several teams didn't think enough of the combine to actually send their general manager. Well, but they don't have money to sign any of these players. Uh, the cap just went up on Friday an extra 20 for 30 million. What do you mean uh, you don't have the money? How's that, that going to How's that going to help the New Orleans Saints get under the car? Uh, the Saints, the Saints uh, <laughs> did that to themselves. Uh, Jeff Kerr, we got to kill you right now. Saints killed uh-huh. themselves. We got to kill you. Uh, uh, we kept we you will, long. Thanks, Jeff. We will be inviting you back, as always, for next Monday. It'll be pretty much combine wrap-up by the time we get there. Looking forward to doing with you again next week. Thanks for doing it this morning, JK. Yeah, no problem. By the way, Jody, going to Vegas next week, what should I bet? Vegas, yeah. Well, I'll uh, tell you, you a future. I, I'll tell you the one future bet I made this week. Sorry, Birds fans, it's a baseball bet because baseball is coming up. This year's World Series participants: Philadelphia Phillies, Texas Rangers. Rangers are like the fourth choice in the American League. Why? Astros, Yankees, Orioles, Rangers. And they're the defending champions. Did the, the Rangers just beat two of those teams last year. Yeah, they did. But they're the Vegas fourth choice as of right now in the American League. And the Phillies are the third choice in the National League. So even though you got two teams who were in the final four of baseball last year, they're not thought of as highly coming into this year. I got a pretty good price at the Rangers-Phillies World Series. So if you I, want to jump I on board with the me, Ray, the Rays are always a good future bet, even if they don't make it. No, I never bet the race. I always lose money on the race. I always think they're going below 500, and they never do. I give them credit. No, they always win nine games. They, poking, nine. they poke me in the eye every single year. Rangers, Rangers, Phillies, World Series this year. Jeff Carr, thanks, buddy. Anytime, Jerry John. Thanks, Read them on CBSSports.com. Uh, now, National NF. Now, Jeff's another one, kind of like me and McMullen, who try and walk that fine line as a member of, quote-unquote, the Philadelphia media. Jeff doesn't write for Philadelphia Outlet. He writes for CBSSports.com. But he is at 90% of the Eagles games and uh, uh, at practices and, and in the locker room thereafter. So he's not really a national guy, even though he writes for a national outlet. He tries to thread that needle the same way John and I do. We're local here on Birds 365. I'm local on WIP. John's local here on Birds 365. 
but he writes a national column for CBS. So some of us have to try and be a little bit uh, more uh, careful that the way we uh, put our opinions and disseminate our information out there. This is, shoot, this show itself tries to do both. We know that the majority of the people, Daz and Twitzig and Future of Man and Clip Toe Eagles, they're 90% of them probably live here in the Delaware Valley, like John and I do. But we get guys checking in from South Carolina and then trolls from San Francisco and everything. So it's kind of a combo national local thing we got going here. We'll continue it next here on Birds 365. Mike Sielski going to join us coming up in about 10 minutes. And oh, by the way, let me do you guys a favor. Whether you're here in the Delaware Valley or not, you can still take advantage. It might be a little easier if you're here in the Delaware Valley. Birds fans, here's your chance to save up to 40% on your car insurance right now from one of Jacob's Sports Great Partners. Here's what you need to do. Call one of the two managing general partners, Jim or Fran, and tell them you're a friend of Jacob's Sports and Birds 365. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit at pond lee hockey we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients and we're confident we can do the same for you with over 250 years of combined courtroom experience We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. 
The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC <laughs> Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. McMullen, McDonald. Thank Jeff Kurt for jumping in with Thank in Advance. Mike Sielski is going to join us coming up in about uh, seven or eight minutes from now. Um, Jerry Mack, I want to ask you an on-field question since we were talking to A.J. Brown as much as we did off the field and the combine and its usefulness and where it's gone and what direction it's headed and the Eagles' participation this week. Um, at some point, after Howie Roseman does his combine duties and Sirianni will be out there with him, um, he gets back to the uh, – decision-making on the current Eagles roster because uh, free agency kicks in before the draft ever does. They kind of divert their attention over the next couple of months leading up to April when they actually have the draft. I think the most debatable position on the Philadelphia Eagles right now might be cornerback because they got decisions to make there. James Bradbury went backwards badly this year, badly. And, you know, uh, I was a Bradbury guy before he was ever an Eagle. While he was still under contract to the New York Giants, I would say, this is the guy the Eagles need. He's going to be released. Mark my words. They got cap issues in New York. He's going to get released. Eagles need to be ready to jump. And they did. Got him signed. He had a great year. They gave him a contract extension. He went backwards badly this year. His salary and the contract that he signed will make it difficult to release him. Not in, uh, not not something that they couldn't deal with, uh, certainly not as big as the dead cap hit they took with Carson Wentz, um, but it's going to be a hard swallow if they have to release him, even with an after June 1st designation. He was bad, Johnny Mac. Are they going to yeah. keep him? He's. Uh, you've told us many a time, and I think your analysis of him has been spot on. He's a cerebral cornerback. He's a very good zone cornerback. Vic Fangio is heavily zone heavy when it comes to defensive backfield. Are they going to try and get one more year out of Bradbury as a starting corner? Do you just go, that was so bad. We need to move on and go in another direction. How's Bradbury going to play this offseason? Being evaluated by certainly Howie Roseman, uh, Vic Fangio, and... Probably, although John was uh, pointing out how Nick has still got a little of his power left because he kept his offensive coordinators around, might not be on defense. Fangio is going to certainly have a major say in this. How's Bradbury going to play? Yeah, I think a lot depends on Vic and what Vic wants and what uh, Vic thinks he can add. And certainly part of it is, you know, the, I always say the NFL moves fast, Jody. And by that, I mean, just because you were good once doesn't mean you're going to be good in perpetuity. So mm -mm. Uh, people fall off the table pretty quickly. And, the, you know, that's where the evaluation comes into it. That's the difficult part. The Eagles got to figure out um, 
what does he have left? Can he help us? You know, one of the things I often bring up is he was playing in a lot of weird positions last year with Sean Desai moving him to the slot. He's not a slot corner. That I said that from day one. That made no sense whatsoever. Still makes no sense after we saw it. Um, then when Slay got hurt, he moved. He flipped sides because he was their best corner or perceived to be their best corner. Uh, not comfortable with that. So, you know, maybe you sit him uh, at, at right corner and just say, do your job while you were a second team all pro. Maybe he has a bounce back season. That's part of it as well. He tends to have, when he has a down season, he tends to bounce back. Now, at some point when you're post 30, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's the down difficult season's going to be followed by a down season. Yeah, it's exactly. going to be followed by a down season. Exactly. So that's the difficult part, kind of figuring it out. But because he's such a good zone corner, I think he can help you. I do because his his game isn't completely based on you know tremendous speed. It never was. So I think that's part of it. And you mentioned. Yeah, it has to be a post-June 1st designation if they're going to release him because they would lose almost $11 million. Forget the dead money, which would be $15 million plus. They'd lose $11 million on the cap, so there's no way. Post-June 1st, though, the cap number is – I'm just pulling it up. Um, if they cut them post-June 1st, Nothing. So they lose. They they. It's a whitewash from a cap perspective, but they lose four point three three five of dead money, which is doable. So they can they can move on from them. They could cut them if they want to. Um, so and I think a lot has to do with what they do in other areas. Uh, are they looking at it in the draft? Obviously, if you take a, a cornerback with the first round pick, well, then you probably want to move on. Right. Um, if you can't, well, you know, maybe it's the best to, to have him around and try to hope he has that bounce back season. Um, but, yeah, they have to make a lot of decisions, and obviously Slay is aging as well, but his contract is even worse from a perspective of they really can't move on from him uh, at this stage, at least without taking a significant hit. Um you know, and you have Abonte Maddox you got to make a decision on, uh, you know, injury prone, very expensive for a nickel corner. Isaiah Rogers is probably going to be in the mix. We can't say definitively until he's reinstated by the NFL, but he was showing signs in Indianapolis of being a good corner. And I think people don't realize his size because he he's he looks like a slot corner from a size perspective. He's undersized, but he played mainly outside in Indianapolis because Indianapolis had Kenny Moore, and Kenny Moore is one of the best nickel corners in the NFL. So I think he's going to play nickel corner here, but he he's got experience playing outside, so that helps as well. And I, and I'm a big Keely Ringo guy. I think he's going to be a good player. I think he showed signs. I, I think he's going to be, you know, how quickly I you can't count on him, but I, 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 I have high hopes for uh, Keely Ringo. The cornerback room slash decision-making process 
is going to be a key to the Eagles uh, this upcoming offseason. All right, Mac and Mac guy's going to take a quick timeout because we see Mike Sielski is ready to jump in, lead columnist for the Inquirer and contributor on WIP on the weekends with his bud in mind, Glenn Mac now. Uh, Mike Sielski's uh, done a couple of very good columns of late. We'll talk about him with uh, Mike Sielski next here on Bard Street 65. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. field of life first trust bank is there for you because philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Thanks for streaming on in here on Bird Street 65 with Mac and Mac. We've got our buddy Mike Sielski from the Inquirer and WIP. Good enough to join us. Mike, I'm sure you already thought you'd be turning that page. Philly said spring training. Come on. And for the Sixers, Joel and B, when's he coming back? Flyers. The Eagles never stop, do they, Mike? They give us content for days, Jody. It's wonderful. I was yeah. good to the Sixers-Bucks game yesterday. And then I talked to an editor or two at the Inquirer, and they're like, yeah, we probably need a little bit more on A.J. Brown. So, okay, happiness suffice. Yeah. 
God bless AJ for doing that for us. Yeah, I thought the coaching staff would be the big story on Friday. And then, bang, AJ makes the phone call, Mike. So, did a great column. Um, what he got right, what he got wrong. So, give us the uh, Reader's Digest view of it. Yeah, honestly, John, you wrote a terrific piece about this for SI.com, too. This is the kind of topic uh, of which PhD dissertations are made, right? <laughs> the relationship between the media and the people who are covered by the media, whether you're talking about pro athletes or politicians or local government or the Philadelphia restaurant scene. And my feeling is this, I think, and I've written this before uh, in a previous column about AJ, I think AJ would do well to log off of his social media. I think he is a good person and a good teammate who is spending too much time taking in what is written and posted and said about him and taking a little bit too much of it to heart. Uh, and I think he'd do well just to say, you know what, I'm not going to pay attention to this anymore. Um, that's one aspect of this. The other is, and you got into this, John, and what you wrote, the changing dynamic of the media uh, and who is the media and how a Twitter poll question by WIP, which is usually the kind of stuff of barroom sports debate and hypotheticals. Hey, if you had it, would you trade this guy for that yeah. guy in, in the social media machine transforms into a genuine trade rumor that AJ gets asked about yeah, and it was Kay, Kay that. Adams. Yeah, yeah. Kay Adams asked him. He said, "Where's this rumor? Where's no rumor? There was there was no rumor. No. The Eagles aren't trading AJ Brown. No. They don't want to trade AJ Brown. Even if they wanted to trade AJ Brown, they really couldn't trade AJ yes. Brown because the salary cap hit would be so high. So it, it, there's just a stew of stuff there. And the other dynamic I think that is worth mentioning and that I didn't get into in that much depth in the column is that. I do think that more and more athletes nowadays do presume that those of us who cover the team yes. or their team yes. are going to be on their side. And I hinted at this with AJ, and AJ hints at this in the interview we had with Ike Reese and Jack Fritz. Oh, no, he didn't hint. He said it. You're yeah. supposed to be supporting yeah. the team. Yeah. Right. And, and back in the 1980s and 1990s and even in the 2000s when I started out, most athletes understood that there was a an objective or adversarial relationship between the media and the athletes and the teams. There were homers, there were TV stations and outlets that were rah rah sis boom bah. But more athletes understood that somebody like me or you guys or a Jeff McClain was coming at it from a detached objective perspective. Now you have a ton of media outlets, many of which are not in the locker room with these guys, that are openly rooting and supportive. And there are many more of those than used to exist back in the day. And so many more athletes think that that's the perspective and stance that you are automatically taking. And speaking just for myself, I don't look at it that way. I like AJ personally. I think he's a terrific player. But if AJ Brown messes up on the field, my job is to say that AJ Brown messes up on the field. And if someone in my position thinks that A.J. Brown deserves to be criticized for not speaking to the media after a couple of games, then someone in my position is going to say that. And he and other athletes ought to understand that, too. So uh, John and I debated this a little bit earlier. 
from an all-encompassing perspective, not just AJ, not just Mike Sielski or Jody McDonald, John McMahon, for the media, for the Eagles, for AJ Brown, and for the fans, good thing or bad thing, AJ picked up the phone and called WIP. I heard your point about social media and you got to put the Twitter down, AJ. I think we all agree on that one. But this wasn't Twitter. This wasn't just responding to someone taking a shot or trolling on Twitter. This was picking up a phone, calling Jack Fritz and uh, Ike Reese and having a 20-plus minute conversation back and forth. It's not the same, but it is something that you can look at as a whole and judge after the fact. Good thing or bad thing for most people involved that AJ decided to uh, pick it up and dial. I, I think on the whole, it's an okay thing, Jody, uh, because I do think we can get caught up in thinking that everyone who follows the Eagles is on Twitter and social media all the time. That's and that true. is not the case. Yeah. Yes. Most people have lives that they are living and they are listening to WIP in their cars or they're listening to 97.5 or they're flipping on the TV after a day of work or they're glancing at inquire.com or ESPN.com for a couple of minutes during their lunch break. And they are not immersed in this in the way we are. And if AJ speaks to those people, that's okay. And I think he came off generally pretty well. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not somebody who looks at that and thinks, Oh, he's so sensitive or he, he is sensitive. He's a very sensitive guy, but I don't think he came off as a whiner or anything like that. I think on the whole, it was okay. And I'm, I'm generally in favor of athletes being more open with us, uh, you know, given my choice. Yeah. Always, by the way. Yeah. Prefer openness. So that part of it, a hundred percent agree. You've given me a lot of entertainment over the years, Mike, uh, battling with flyer fans specifically, uh, the media literacy aspect of this, the, the, and, you know, I get it from a fan perspective at times, but the assumption that, you know, Mike Sealski's checking in with me or I'm checking in with you or Mike's checking in with Jody Mack, we're all the same. We're all the same. The Philly media is trying to <laughs> torpedo the Philadelphia Eagles and A.J. Brown. Why is that so difficult for people to parse that there is no monolith, there is no giant conspiracy, there is no weekly meeting where we're saying, ah, Eagles are doing too well. Let's take this down, Mike Sealski. Because I think, John, nowadays, most people don't have, whether we're talking about sports or anything else, a particularly um, diverse array of sources from which they're getting their information. Generally speaking, people like to go to certain spots to hear, I think, too often what they want to hear. And you see this in sports, you see this in politics. Uh, that's the reason cable news exists and the reason it sticks to the format that it does. And I think with respect to the Eagles, there are a lot of uh, influencers or websites or places like that where people can go and hear what they want to hear. And what they want to hear is that the Eagles are great. The person who's producing the content wants the team to do well. And that person is going to criticize the team or a player only when things go bad for that team or player and, and is expressing frustration about the fact that the Eagles are not playing well. And I think that's kind of a subtle thing that gets missed that 
people in our position sometimes are going to be critical of the Eagles, even when they're winning. You know, it, to somebody like me, I don't care whether the Eagles win or lose. I genuinely don't. I grew up a fan. This job has kind of wrung a lot of the fanness out of me because of certain yeah because of certain (laughs) demands of the job you have to file a column on deadline and you have to find the right story or angle to take and you have to you come up in the business saying you're not supposed to be a fan you're supposed to find the story or the angle that is interesting or needs to be said and sometimes that cuts against the zeitgeist or the uh, tenor of the way everybody else is looking at the team and it doesn't necessarily mean you're trying to write something just to get a reaction. It means that your job is to be the person who looks at the Christmas tree and it's beautiful. 99% of it is beautiful, but the star on top is just a little askew. And it's your job to point that out. Hey, it's just a little askew. It could be better this way or that way. Um, So there's that. I also think that people talk about the media when there is no such thing as the media. No. Uh, There isn't. But I also think that when, and I think AJ falls into this too, when people say the media, whether it's AJ Brown or just a regular average consumer of stuff, the media equals anyone who talks on television or talks on a show like this or talks on talk radio or has 300,000 Twitter followers uh, or anything. John Stewart is the media. Jeff McClain is the media. Oprah Winfrey is the media. This influencer on YouTube or Instagram is the media. And that all gets lumped together. And all of those people have different jobs and different roles. And people don't take the time, and, and I don't blame them for this, to parse what each of those people's jobs are and how they're different. Um, Mike, you made some great points there. And I, I understand and relate to a whole bunch of them. But it's funny because there's one thing that's different. You said something. And John said the same exact thing earlier in the show. And I I am a little different than both you guys because actually of the position I'm in. I used to go into locker rooms and do interviews and go to games and stuff like that. And when that was the case, I couldn't root for a team because I felt if I did, that I'd get to know the people and I'd root for them and I couldn't give an honest opinion on the air. When I was able to back out of that, I don't ever go to any games. I'm always here in my studio at home and never attend an Eagle game anymore, unlike you guys. Oh, I can say I root for the team. Then when I turn the mic on, I take myself out of that. And I could objectively say, here's my opinion on the Philadelphia Eagles. When I was around them, I couldn't do that. I couldn't say, well, I'll be objective when I get on the air. No, because I know the guy, because I like the guy, because I want to root for the guy. So I had to divorce myself from rooting. I can sit here right now and tell you I root for the Eagles to win. I'm an Eagle fan. I just don't do my job when I'm here on Bird Street 65 or on WIP as an Eagle fan. That's when I step back into my objective persona, which both you two guys are very good at doing. All right, put that aside. Nick Sirianni. Johnny Mack called him, uh, gave him a W today. Do a big W up on the wall with all the offensive coaches that were retained and said, yeah, Kellen Moore looked like he was coming in to take over the, the entire shooting match. And he got like two guys that he brought in with them. And other than that, the Eagles coaching staff on the offensive side is staying in place. How big a win for Sirianni is it? I mean, look, it's got to work. I don't think it's a win until we see if it works. Um, I, I think, 
Kellen Moore is a fine hire. He's a very good offensive coordinator. And depending on personalities and assuming he and Nick can get along and, and the room is okay, there is something to be said, I think, at all times in every situation for fresh ideas and creative tension and those sorts of things. I think that's that's good in any organization where uh, if you have somebody from the outside coming into, say, the Philadelphia Inquirer and is going to uh, help us influence our sports coverage, it's good to have at least one person say, okay, I know I'm not from Philadelphia, but here's my suggestions based on my experiences elsewhere. And I think the same principle would apply to the Eagles. Hey, Nick, you know, we haven't worked together. I know you come from a different school of thought than I do, but here's where the way I'm looking at things. And maybe it might be good to try that. So I think there's the potential for this to work given Moore's presence. Uh, is it a good thing that all these offensive coaches are staying for Nick. I think Nick's got to make it work. I think, I think, yeah. you know, oh, that that's the thing is, is it a win? It's only a win if the offense looks better than it did last season. Well, by win, Mike, I said, it, you know, when you talk about when it originally happened and Jeffrey Lurie kind of steered them, all right, we need fresh ideas, new ideas. Everybody was on board with big Banjo, So I kind of put the defense aside, but, offensively, you know, Nick rightfully got to ask those questions, you know, about being neutered. Um, you know, what are you going to do here? The office space question. What do you, what, what, what exactly do you do? Um, all of a sudden it, it, it seems like it was a far more targeted approach by Jeffrey Lurie. And I've heard that term making people uncomfortable, un uncomfortable, uh, can't get it out uncomfortable un for the sake yeah uncomfort for the sake of, of 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 doing what you just said um that was part of it no no question about it but as i step back and look at the staff and kevin petulo is still there and jamal singleton we knew jeff stoutland wasn't going anywhere but aaron moorhead jason michaels very close with nick on and on and on even his former uh, uh assistants are are back it seems like the family's here. Kellen Moore's sort of like the brother-in-law. He's coming in. <laughs> and it's more surgical. You're right, obviously. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And Nick is on the, the hot seat, no question about it. But from a, a comfort level, from that neutered level, whatever phrase you want to use to describe it, I don't think that's what happened to Nick Sirianni now. I think people yeah. step back and said, you need fresh ideas. And that really is all that it was. Yeah. I think there's a lot of truth in that, John. It, you can't argue that Nick Sirianni has been set up to fail. I, I think that's kind of what we're saying, right? Yes. That the conditions are here for him as the head coach and as the person whose offense this is supposed to be, the conditions are there for him to succeed. And if he can't succeed in this situation, then Jeffrey Lurie is going to take a long, hard look at whether he ought to be the head coach of this football team. I think that's absolutely fair to say. And in some ways, the fact that they are coming off of, you can make this argument, I'm not sure it's true, but the fact that they are coming off of this kind of collapse as opposed to coming off of a, a birth in the Super Bowl and being five minutes away from winning a championship uh, might be better, right? Like it's like George Clooney says, you don't learn anything from victory or from success. 
you you need to go through something like what the Eagles went through to be able to take a step back and reevaluate what you're doing and why you're doing it and whether you need to change it. So in that sense, I think Nick is po- is set up to succeed. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to, no. but the, the framework is in place. I like to think of myself as a Nick Sirianni supporter and fan and defender more than detractor. And there were a whole bunch of people that were calling for that guillotine you just mentioned uh, that could come down at the end of this year. But I got to ask you about this. Uh, our buddy D Gunn, who I think we all agree has as good contacts in the room as anybody there. And people say stuff to D Gunn. So when he reports something, not hypotheticals, not just put out a poll, Derek Gunn reports stuff. When he reports that Nick Sirianni missed Big Dom last year during Big Dom suspension, that's saying something. A, do you buy it? And B, what does it say? A, yes, I buy it. Uh, All you have to do is look at Nick Sirianni on the sideline or just before or just after games to understand that he has struggled a bit at controlling his emotions uh, in the heat of competition. And he sometimes allows his personality to show itself in ways that I don't think is productive, that I don't think are productive. And two, it means to me, he's got to mature. He's got to grow up a little bit as a head coach. I like Nick a lot personally. Uh, It's funny. I say this all the time to people in private. I have a dear, dear friend of mine, one of my closest friends of close to 30 years, who himself is a coach. He and Nick Sirianni are basically the same person, like personality wise. They even look alike in a lot of ways. And every time I see Nick, I see my friend and my friend needed to learn this lesson, even at a lower level of coaching, uh, about l- allowing his emotions and his personality to kind of overtake him and be counterproductive. And I think this is something that Nick needs to learn. Uh, I-, I think that he needs to understand how to work smarter and more efficiently as opposed to longer and harder. John can attest to this. There were times where Nick would come into media availabilities at the end of this season. And it looked like he hadn't slept in oh, days. Yeah, His eyes were bleary. They were rimmed red. It just looked like he was just totally spent and worn out. And part of maturing as a person in a job, especially a high-profile job, is understanding how to work and how to be at your most productive. And Nick taunting Kansas City Chiefs fans and screaming at Hassan Reddick or Devontae Smith during a game or even during the Super Bowl last year when the officials are weighing a replay and Nick thinks the Eagles are going to get the call and he's signaling that they're going to get the call and Jalen Hurts reaches and pulls his arm down, that's a sign that, to me, Nick needs to mature a little bit as a head coach. You can be authentic and be a professional at the same time. And I think this is the place where Nick really needs to grow a little bit. Yeah, and I agree. You did a column about that that was uh, uh, on point as well, Mike. So people should check that out at inquire.com. The fact that, you know, it's no sin to be a professional in a professional environment. It makes some sense. And at times, I think Nick straddles that. He does seem to recognize it. He got asked after that Reddick situation um, about his emotions, and he, he admitted, uh, uh, I need to be better in those scenarios. When there's some high pressure errors, they've got to see me meaning the players calm and not tense there. 
with with the Dom part of it, and and Dom's a bigger part of this organization than I think most people realize. He's got you know he's bigger than not just literally, but figuratively. Yeah. Bigger than just the director of security. He's a senior advisor to Howie Roseman. He's got a lot of responsibilities. But I will say this. Dom wasn't controlling his emotions with Dre Greenlaw. Yeah, um, and, and that's the reason he got suspended. And I'll also say this. When Dom came back in Tampa, it didn't help the Eagles. Uh, it, now, they didn't have A.J. Brown. That, to me, was a bigger detriment. Um, so all I'm saying is I think anyone pointing to the absence of Dom as some kind of causal connection to losing football games, way off base, I think. Yeah, I think that's that's totally fair and true, John. Um, but I, I kind of look at the Sirianni-Dom situation in the same way that I do the Jalen Hurts leadership, quote-unquote, situation, right? AJ mentioned this in his interview on WIP the other day about how Jalen was the same guy when we were winning as he was when we were losing. How can you criticize him here and there? Well, different circumstances require different responses from people who are in leadership. There is a time to be stoic and to show your players or your teammates, hey, we got this. You know, I always think of the anecdote uh, about Mike Krzyzewski in that game against Kentucky in 1992 at the Spectrum where pardon me, the Kentucky kid hits the shot with two seconds left to go. And it looks like Duke's going to get knocked out of the NCAA tournament. And the players come over to the huddle. And the first thing Krzyzewski says to them very calmly is first things first, we're winning the game. And, you know, kind of meeting the moment with calm and himself. I, I do think though, that circumstances can dictate how a leader is supposed to respond. And I also think that If what we're seeing out of Nick is running uh, and jumping on top of a bench at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis after he beats the Colts and he wants to give it to the Colts fans who are razzing him, um, you know, what aren't we seeing that Dom is working on? Yeah, are are other people in the organization yeah. are saying, Hey, Nick, dial it down a notch. And, and it's easy to verbalize it and say, I need to get better, but you got to do it too. Right. Yeah, you got to do it. And, a, and, a, and to bring it back question. to the Jalen example, like, okay, when the team has lost five out of six games, maybe you being stoic and a tiny bit unapproachable, isn't the best way to go. You don't have yeah. to be a phony, but you may have to, the time may have to come for you to, be a different kind of leader than you have been. All right. Mike Zielski, last one from me this week. Both Howie Roseman and uh, Doug Peterson, uh, Doug Peterson, Nick Sirianni are going to be available to Philadelphia media who are in Indianapolis. For those who aren't going out, is it going to be Zoom too? Are you guys? If not as not far going, as I know. No, no I no think Zoom, it'll just be the people uh, who are there. Yeah, just people there. Just so. people who are there. So uh, I'm sure the very good people will be there and ask the right questions either predict which is the best question asked or what is the best response that follows up thereafter. Will there be any major breaking news out of either Sirianni's and or Roseman's press availability this week in Indy? I don't think so. Howie has become so adept now at like Wonder Woman, Wonder Womaning the questions with her, you know, she she blocks them like that. Um, (laughs) <laughs> that uh, I, I don't know that he'll break any news. That doesn't mean that news won't be broken out there. 
um, you know, we'll pay attention to the, the customary insiders to get that. That's the way the media wheel turns in the NFL. We could hear something about Jason Kelsey and his status and his future. We could hear something about Hassan Reddick and whether the Eagles are going to trade him or try to renegotiate the contract to bring him back. I'm sure something else will come out. Um, I, I remember, I don't know if John was there when this happened. I can remember being at the combine in 2014 and it was right after Nick Foles had had the 27 touchdown, two interception season. And how we spoke about him as if Nick were the prospective franchise quarterback. We have uncovered something and we think Nick is exactly the kind of quarterback we're going to need to, to take us where we want to go. And we found out relatively quickly that Chip Kelly didn't look at Nick Foles exactly the same way. And so I think that Howie may have learned from that and now just keeps as much under wraps as he possibly can. At Mike Sealski, make sure you follow Mike on X, uh, Twitter. Uh, It's been killing it at Inquirer.com. Read all his columns there. Tremendous one on A.J. Brown. I guess we talked about the coaching staff a little bit, the offensive coaching staff particularly, and we talked about Jalen Hurts a little bit. Um, The fact that the only changes made were the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach, does that indicate to you that the Eagles are really worried about what happened with Jalen Hurts last season, or is it just the fresh ideas aspect of it? I think it's the fresh ideas aspect of it. Um, I don't know how worried they can be, John. I mean, and and what I mean by that is they are committed to him. That's, I mean, they are all in on Jalen Hurts. So they can't afford to be worried. They, They just have to look at this and say, whatever we think we need to do to maximize Jalen Hurts as a franchise quarterback, we need to do that. And if it, is a change of play calling and scheme and approach, then let's do that. Uh, they can't They can't afford to be worried. He's their guy. Uh, I can't imagine, even if he played terribly again, and I don't think he played terribly last yeah. season. I, I don't. I think it's been overstated a little bit about yeah. how badly he played. Now, he, was he great during the closing stretch of the season? No, he was not. Uh, but that doesn't mean he can't bounce back and be the quarterback he was in 2022. I think some things have to change. I think he has to get healthier, et cetera, et cetera. But they're in with him. And I don't foresee them going through another situation like they did with Carson Wentz, where they say, oh, no, we made a mistake. This guy, it isn't working out, uh, and we got to get rid of him. Um, for one thing, Hurts doesn't want to go anywhere, as far as I can no. tell. Carson wanted to be traded, yeah. and Jalen mm-hmm. doesn't. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, they can't afford to be worried. And oh, by the way, Jalen got Albert O back. Big Albert O. That's a big one. That's a biggie. Uh, Mike Salski, always a pleasure. Thank you very much for jumping in with us. Love listening to you and Mac on Saturdays. Uh, Like John said, some very good columns of late. Thank you very much for that and appreciate your sharing with us today. Anytime, guys. You're the best. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Inquire, lead commentator, lead columnist, and also uh, contributor on WIP on Saturdays. Yeah, he, he he brings up a good point with Jalen Hurts and the fact that. But I, the one thing I would take uh, exception with is that uh, the Eagles didn't want to give up on Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz gave up on the Eagles. They were going to move forward when Nick Sirianni was hired. It was with the idea: all right, we're going to get Carson Wentz back on track mainly because of the salary and all that stuff. And Carson was like, no, I'm not coming back. And 
kind of forced himself out. So they even wanted to double down with Carson Wentz one more time and try it again. I don't know that you and I have ever discussed this. Um, before he blew up and basically blew himself up, if he was smart enough to realize it, and I think he probably was, um, you think Doug was good with Wentz coming back the next year? Or do you think he was ready to move on? Um, yeah, I, I think another underreported thing is Doug was a, a big fan of Jalen Hurts. But I, I do think he was okay with trying it one more time with, with Carson Wentz. There was a bit of a, um, uh, in, a disconnect when he benched him. No question about that. There was a point they weren't even speaking. Carson was so upset. So... But I think he understood they were going to run it back and try to rescue Carson Wentz. But then it never got to that point. Never got there, uh, right? Yeah. But um, I, I think if if Doug, if the stuff that happened with the assistant coaches hadn't happened, Doug came back. I think there would have been a conversation had about listen. Maybe we just need to go in another direction. Yeah, really it could have happened Hurts. because Doug really did like Jalen Hurts. Right and, now, um, the, the same thing would have been facing the decision that they eventually had to make. It was the largest dead cap hit in the history of the yes. National Football League at that point. So Doug would have had to been making his argument to get rid of a Carson Wentz against that. Well, the Eagles did it anyway, but their hand was forced by the quarterback himself rather than the head coach. Um, very interesting. It's the stuff could have happened differently. We know what has happened and that the Eagles right now are, as Mike said, they're married to Jalen Hurts. I give you when we come back, I'll quickly get one last point in. Guy did a really good time. You know, I uh, whined and moaned about the guy from the 33rd team and his ranking yes. of the quarterbacks. You last did a week. good column. Yeah. I got a good one. I'll give it to you when we come back. We got a All couple right. minutes left here on Bird Street 65. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Thank <laughs> you. 
Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right, Mac and Mac, last couple of minutes, uh, but I do want to get this in, uh, just because what we were talking about, Carson Wentz and everything, made me think of this. Um, last week, I got a little vexed by uh, Derek Klasser from uh, the Klassen from the Ringer, who, no, excuse me, the 30-13, who ranked the quarterbacks. Challen Hurts, uh, number 17, I believe. He was number 17 behind Anthony Richardson, who played all the four games this year. Who was, uh, but he was ahead of Brock Purdy, who was number 18 and two was number 19. But somehow Anthony Richardson and uh, CJ Stroud were well ahead of him after at least Stroud played the entire year. <laughs> Anthony Richardson played four games. And John correctly said, Jody, if you don't like it, don't wait. There'll yeah. be another list come along in 24 hours. Just wait till the next list comes out and maybe you'll like it more. Oh, I got one this weekend. Uh, do you know Danny Heifetz? Danny Heifetz. Can't say that I do. He's an uh, NFL writer for The Ringer, and I guess he's their quarterback guru. And I, I recognize his name, but it's not like I go looking for Danny Heifetz stuff. Uh, but I did see this over the weekend. He put out a list, of NFL quarterbacks, the quarterback commitment index. So it's conceptually a little different than just number one, number two, number three, number four. Uh, the commitment index I'll give you a couple of quick reads here. You got to read it. It's on the ringer. It's a very good comments, well-written, and it uh, hits a couple of big points for me. The icon, Patrick Mahomes in the Kansas City Chiefs. Understandable. Wrong guy, uh, right guy, wrong time. Josh Allen and the Bills, Ravens with Lamar Jackson, Bengals, Burrow, and Chargers Herbert. Meaning, yeah, they're all good, but yeah, you get lined by Mahomes. Sorry about that. You can't feed the head on show as long as Mahomes is in the AFC. Love at first sight. Houston Texans, CJ Stroud, Green Bay Packers, Jordan Love. Uh, it's not first there. sight with Jordan Love, but yeah, he's been sitting a while. But uh, yeah, first sight on the field. Peripheral vision, yes, yeah. on the bench, but first sight on the field. Yeah, I get it. Ring shopping. Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. That one I don't quite buy and understand. Now, they're kind of committed to him, and he's had a couple of years. Uh, okay, you should have already bought the ring, but I get it. Uh, promise ring shopping means you haven't made the commitment, but you're going to. It's happening. We're going to take this in stages. Brock Purdy of the 49ers. Um, rough first year of marriage. That sounds like uh, Jalen Hurts to me. Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Exactly right. $250 million later. I'm with Mike Sielski, though. I don't think it was as rough as people think it was. I think it's that we're talking about the six, uh, well, I guess it was a seven-game stretch with the playoffs, um, and it was bad. 
but I don't think Jalen Hurts was bad overall last season. Like, I think those first 11 games still count. They don't count. I, I, you didn't go where you wanted to go. I don't think it's as bad as people think it was. I, I, well, maybe that's me. And I'm a Jalen guy, but I got to be honest here. At the end of last year, you could make an argument for Jalen Hurts being the number two quarterback in the NFL behind Mahomes. He won the MVP. Jalen was the runner-up. Some people come, come on, you got to give Burrow at. Uh, I, I, I had him right there with any of those guys. We can argue two, three, four, three, two, four, four. He's out of the top 10 after this season. So when you fall from top three or four to out of the top 10, that's a bad season, John. Uh, just that's how I look at it. It's well, uh, I would say it was a bad portion of a season. That's why, you know, I talk about recency bias a lot. And, you know, I mean, he was the leader on the MVP race through 11 games. So, no, I you, mean, you, you and I both know how that works. No, it wasn't because uh, uh, he was one of the best quarterbacks. He was the quarterback of the team with the best record in the league. Yes. And that's why he was the MVP. Yeah, not necessarily, because you could have made an argument that, um, you know, Brock Purdy was the best quarterback on the best team. I never felt he was going to win the MVP. Um, he, so was I, elite, he was in the lead after Jayla was. No, yeah, I'm not. You believe Jalen was going to win the MVP when he was the leader in the betting markets? If if the Eagles would have finished it off, yes. Well, if I, the Niners I, had finished it off, if they'd beaten the Ravens, yeah, I don't Baltimore think that, that that's night. what I'm saying. That's the difference. I don't think he wins it. I think Lamar would have won it. I think uh, if, I, if San Francisco goes in and beats Baltimore, you think Lamar is still winning the MVP? Yes. Oh, you're uh, crazy. Yes. You're yes. crazy. Yes. Uh, no uh, shot. Yeah. Now, if, if Baltimore wins every other game, in other words, I don't think Lamar Jackson won the MVP because he beat San Francisco. I think. Oh, I do. I think. Um, I hear what you're saying. And I, I think if the Eagles would have finished, now, Baltimore would have still had to finish uh, with a tremendous record and all that kind of stuff. But I never got the feeling, and part of it is, you know, you, it, part of it is a lot of people don't believe in Brock Purdy. I'll admit that. Uh, I, I just don't think he would have gotten the votes over somebody talented, as talented as Lamar, having the type of season as Lamar. That's but there were there were a lot of people who didn't believe in Jalen Hurts last year, and oh, yet I, he was the leader with better, three weeks to go. Yeah, that part, I do not think – you know, people look at Jalen Hurts, even coming up, forget about this season, coming off last season in a category, and by that I mean 2022. Uh, I don't think people looked at Jalen Hurts the same way they look at Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson or or Joe Burrow. I don't. I don't I don't think they ever did. No, and I think that's foolish on whoever has that opinions. Uh because you continue to put a resume together. And when you add a resume to a resume, you have to factor that in, not just go, well, here's where I started. So I got to move the needle slowly. If the player moves the needle quickly for you, I think you should add that to your evaluation. All right, we're way late. Um, you in here tomorrow? You want to do this again tomorrow? Uh, let's do it. You will get Mac and Mac right back here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel doing Birds 365 in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365. <laughs> 
the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.